Man, what a great worship service, right? I, uh, I get a little jealous playing the drums. I, I, in, those, in those kind of situations, you feel the presence of the Lord. You just want to get down, down there with, with you guys and just worship the Lord because it's just amazing. The f- presence of the Lord is awesome. Um, my thought started developing probably uh, for, for tonight, probably around December-ish. Um, Pop had brought a message. I believe it was Pop or Dad. I don't remember who it was exactly. He was talking about back in the Old Testament, about the things that happened to the birth of Christ. And I got thinking about and reading about the story of Daniel. I don't know why that, whenever he started talking about it, that was a, one of the first ones. Um, it was triggered because thinking about the men coming from the east. And so I got reading the story of Daniel and really started studying that out in depth. Uh, and so tonight we're going to be reading some about Daniel and and whatnot, but uh, we've been hearing some great messages about the gain of loss. I've loved that the series that Pop's been bringing. It's been awesome. Um, it's something that reminds me, me and Brother Aaron, last time I spoke, uh, we got talking afterwards, and he goes, man, you always, you always can relate something for you to working out or to, to something like that with wrestling and whatnot, and it, I think it's because it's something I know really well. It's something I've spent the majority of my life doing, and in almost 21 years, I've spent the vast majority of it with wrestling and working out and that kind of thing and growing. And so that, the gain of loss has really been touching me. Uh, we had dad with the, the phases of faith, signs and miracles, also another great uh, message. The message on gain of loss, like I said, specifically challenged me and encouraged me to set aside some things in life and lose some things so God can gain or add some things in my life. Uh, just like dad and pop said on Sunday, I've been thinking about our, our climate in, our, in, in the United States we're, we constantly, in the, in the atmosphere of Christianity in, the, in America, are always looking for a quote-unquote superhero, right? Men to look up to. As a, as a young man, I'm always trying to find guys to look up to, and we have some great men in our church. I know there's, I've been talking to, um, I've been going up to Simpsons Wrestling Practices, and, and I've been talking to a lot of different people, and they always are looking up to somebody, Right? Within sports, if you play sports, you're looking to somebody to match your game up with. If you're basketball, you know, Michael Jordan, whoever. Wrestlers, we have guys we look up to. But we're always looking for that guy that's kind of almost our superhero, right? Something that we can look up to, that we idolize, that we, oh, that's the guy that, that, that we go to, right? Something within humans. Within, the, the, within Christianity and the American culture, we... Always we're trying to find the person with the healing hands or the mouthpiece of God or the guy that has the word of God, right? The man of the hour. It then in turn satisfies our need for a real devout sacrificial relationship with Jesus Christ. Our spiritual environment here in the United States is such we want to turn a blind eye to the reality of what we're doing and look towards that superhero, what makes us feel good? Uh, we've taken uh, we've taken a God of sacrifice and created a God of blessing. We've taken a God of judgment and created a God of unconditional love. Could you imagine people's responses to, when, to some of Jesus' message he preaches when he was on the earth? People nowadays are responses to that. I was thinking about that the other day when I was typing this up, and I just kind of chuckled a little bit sitting at the dining room table, just thinking of what people's responses to the Word of God in in our in our climate nowadays. We obviously believe in the in the fivefold ministry, but you can't be a part of a fivefold ministry unless you first 
have a steadfast and devout prayer life. I started reading in the book of Daniel a while ago, and the story has a lot more to it than just being thrown into a lion's den and being saved, right? But it's kind of as a kid, you, you hear the story of, of Daniel in the lion's den, and you just kind of think, like, well, you got a guy who's kind of a Christian guy, right? Like most people in the United States, a Christian person that just kind of lives his life and does his thing and works for the king and kind of does some of his work, and then all of a sudden, because of his faith, he gets thrown into a lion's den. I don't know if that's any of you guys relate to that, but that's me. I've, I thought about that. Whenever I was a kid, that's kind of how I viewed Daniel as this guy. This guy was just a good guy, a good Christian guy, but as I got reading about it, Daniel spent much of his time praying and seeking God before he ever interpreted one dream. You don't just wake up one day and start interpreting dreams. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12 and, and verse 12. And it says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And then in Psalms 27 and verse 14, wait, wait patiently for the Lord and be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Wasn't that beautiful, right? Wait on the Lord. Tied right in. And then Haley, whenever she got up here and testified before, I, before we started singing, I was like, man, she's about ready to preach my message. Preach about prayer. We've had so many men who we want to get up, or who we, who, we have so many men who get up and say, thus saith the Lord, God of hosts, right? We were, me and Pop and Dad have been talking about a pastor, you know, get up and just, this is the word of God. But don't want to spend the time on their knees to get in tune with that God. We've had a whole generation of young people who have followed up behind these men who have no idea what prayer is. Young people don't know what a prayer warrior is. I know Pop has talked about growing up and Dad knowing people that were prayer warriors. We don't have prayer warriors anymore. In this church we do, but as a, as a, as a nation we don't have prayer warriors anymore. We have a lot of people that, like I said, don't even know what prayer is. But God's not raising up His church to be a prayerless church. What He's raising up is a generation of Daniels who are devoted to prayer. Jesus gets aggravated at his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane for not praying, right? They fell asleep. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40 and 41. Then he returned to his disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even an hour, right? I mean, we have a hard time sometimes. I'm being honest. There's sometimes where I get down to prayer on Saturday nights and we have an hour and, I mean, 30 minutes, I'm like, hey, I'm running out of stuff to do, right? And Jesus is rebuking Peter because he couldn't sit there for an hour. Keep watching praise so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It takes faith to keep praying whenever nothing is happening. David, the believers in the upper room, Daniel, Noah, Paul when he's in prison, the disciples in the garden, you might be praying for a while and feel like you don't, ha you don't have any answers yet, but just keep praying. God is not raising up men of great miracles, signs, or wonders in his ministries. God is raising up praying, God-fearing, humbling themselves, men to serve him. We absolutely believe in miracles, but because we have seen them, or because we have seen them in our church, but God is the miracle worker, not man. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up Chris, and uh, I, but a couple years ago, whenever I was in college, I had a kind of a knee act, a thing with my knee, and 
is pretty jacked up. Sarah, Sarah has a thing going on with her knee, and so she can relate to this. Knee problems, dad, he knows about them. Knee problems are tough. <laughs> when you have a knee problem, anytime you go to do anything, it hurts. But I came up here and prayed with Chris, because it was bad. It was really bad, and prayed with Chris, and he wasn't really feeling that much better. And then I woke up the next day and started feeling a little better, and before you knew it, a couple days later, it was pretty much back to perfection. And I hate to break it to Chris, but Chris is not the healing man. God is the healing man. Our nation is full of a bunch of people who want to get up on Sunday morning, run around, do a bunch of hyper-emotional stuff, then go home and live the rest of their life however they want. The thought, whenever Pop was talking about Lot and his wife a couple weeks ago, the thought that you're not saved by your emotions, but the confidence in God through faith. The example of God's, uh, Lot's wife, Lot is saved by his confidence in the, word that God, that, in, in the words that God spoke to him and the promise that he gave him. But his wife's downfall is not abiding, abiding by the promises of God. Her emotions, like Pop had brought up, brought her back to look back to what was going on, the drawing of her children or possibly her, her sons-in-law, whatever it was, drew her back, but Lot's confidence in what God had told him saved him. God doesn't want a bunch of people to get halfway out of Gomorrah only to look back. He wants a people who will chug right along without hesitation to never look back. It doesn't say what Lot did once his wife looked back, but I, can, uh, I think it's safe to say he never looked back at his wife because he lived. Young people, don't li- listen, don't get halfway out of Gomorrah and then look back. When you start leaving Gomorrah, take off running and never stop until you've reached your destination, which is Jesus Christ. If you feel like, maybe young people, you feel like maybe in the kingdom of God, I mean, we, we were talking about this, about how we have such great strength in our church. We have strength in numbers. We have, I don't know of any other church that is even bigger than ours that has the, such strength in numbers as far as our men and women of God who are leaders. I mean, we, we've talked about how, I know pastors in churches, I've been to multiple churches where they control everything. You know, they can't, don't let anybody ever teach classes, and we have all kinds of different classes. And, you, and it kind of at times can feel like, well, what can I do? There may, it may feel like there may not be very much for you to do in the kingdom, but there is something you can start doing. That's to start praying. You want God's blessing on your life? Begin to pray. You don't know what to do about a decision? Begin to pray. You may have hesitations, reservations, whatever it is, begin to pray. Prayer is just like working out. You might see some results quickly, and some results might take a while. It may take years. Just like Noah, he built the ark for years and years and years, and I believe he was praying, going, God, did I really hear you? I believe at times there probably was some hesitation. He probably is sitting there wondering, was that just something I ate that kind of gave me, or was that really the word of God? I mean, he spent years and years and years of his life before he ever got an answer to what God had told him. One of the worst things you can do, young people, is if you don't have an answer to jump ahead of God's plan. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 the Lord is not slow to keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That thought 
when I read this verse, when I was preparing this, it, I, 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 I remember the, the second part of that verse, but I kind of forget the, the first part of that verse. The Lord is not slow to keeping His promise. As some understand slowness. And we understand slowness in one way, but God understands slowness in a different way. What would have happened if David had killed Saul and taken the throne before his time? Or if Daniel had stopped praying to preserve his life? God has something planned and destined ahead for all of you. But we have got to hit the quote-unquote, and Dad preached it, the weight room, and work out our faith in Him, and put to test and strengthen through waiting, trusting, and praying. Daniel spent some time between his dream interpretations, praying and seeking the Lord. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made an order that everyone must pray to any, uh, must not pray to anyone, but to him, uh, to, or to anyone but him. And if they did, they were thrown in the lion's den. In verse ten of Daniel chapter six, it says, "But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he sent home, or he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room." And that, when I read that, I was, I thought, "What boldness is that?" He opened his windows toward Jerusalem and prayed as as though he did three times a day. And guys, there's times whenever there's in the in this in the coming years and whatnot and coming months and days where it's gonna feel like that maybe our nation has made a decree that you may not serve anybody else. But you just keep going down to your knees, opening your window and praying. Every day like you have been. Serving God every day like you have been. And just watch what God's going to do. I can only imagine what was going through Daniel's mind. Knowing the consequences of what he was doing. But he continued his devotion to his his God. Because of his steadfastness, he was able to show a whole kingdom of people the power of the Almighty God. That to me was, when I read that, it, it... it challenged me. The Lord's really been challenging me in this last week. I always bring, try to bring something that the Lord's challenged me. It's something that Uncle Austin always does on Wednesday nights for our young adults group, and I think it's awesome. Lord's really been challenging me to get a better prayer life. Because if you want to do something, like I said, you don't just wake up the next day and all of a sudden become a dream interpreter or a, uh, somebody that hears the voice of God or somebody that gives out godly advice. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden do that. It takes years and years and years of prayer. We have men and, and women in this, in this church who, have, who are prayer warriors and who have spent years and years and years in prayer. In Exodus chapter 14 and, and verse 4, it says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that's something that's hard to do as a young person. I know from experience, it's hard to sit still. Right? That's why we've got the little kids running around the church before, right? Because it's hard to sit still. It's hard whenever you don't have the answer and you don't know what to do and maybe you start to squirm. And I imagine Daniel probably in the back of his mind, the devil's kind of throwing a thought of, well, maybe you could just keep your windows shut. No, but what did he do? He opened up his windows just like he did the last however many years, opened them up and prayed the three times a day like he normally did. It's hard to sit still and to keep doing what you're doing whenever. Maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe the direction you don't know where to go. 
But sitting still is always the answer. I remember a, a preacher came to our church years and years ago, and um, no, it wasn't. I think it was Pop actually who preached. I remember just remember the title, and it says some were sent and some just went. And some people were sent and some just went. And I want to be one that was sent. I don't want to be one of those that just went. I don't want to be the disciple sitting in the garden and the, Jesus saying, can't you just pray for, with an hour? Just keep up for an hour, right? Because I'm too lazy to humble myself, to put my pride down. That's something that's been, it's, it's like I said, God really challenged me this week to put my pride down, to put myself down, and to get down on my knees and pray. I can't expect to be able to give anybody anything unless I get on my knees and receive something. We have a lot of preachers in this, in, this, in this nation who are too proud, like I said, to get on their knees and pray, to think, they, think they're the man, the man of the hour, the man of God. You don't, young people, you don't reach being a man of God unless you get on your knees and start there for years. And God will bless you. That's what I have for tonight. Thank you, guys.